Hello and welcome to the Total Quadball podcast, a place where we talk to the people who make quadball what it is and give them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences of the sport. I'm Fraser and I'll be your host. Welcome back. Did you miss us? After a few months away, the pod has returned for 2023 with a new name for the same great content you know and love from our first 50 episodes. Along with a new name, we've also had a complete rebrand, including a shiny new logo. Big thanks to Nicola Gertler for all her excellent work designing that for us. We hope you like it too. We've got all kinds of episodes in store for you during our sixth series of the pod, starting today with episode 51, all about March Mayhem. So for those of you who don't know, March Mayhem is a fancy tournament being played this March, funnily enough, in London. The tournament is hosted by Quadball England as a national team fundraiser ahead of this summer's IQA World Cup in the in Richmond, Virginia, USA. Uh, March Mayhem will be the first quadball tournament in the UK to be played with the free match gender rule, as well as a chance to play with some of the newer rules, such as two-arm tackling. There will be over 150 players from across Europe and beyond, playing in 10 teams who will be fighting out to see who becomes the champion. The draft took place a few days ago, so in this episode, we're going to have a bit of a post-draft debrief with some of the people involved. I myself am one of the captains of one of the teams, People's Champs. I'm also joined by the captain of the Capital City Kiwis, Alex Roberts, and the captain of the Concrete City Thunder, Rudy Abassi-Adams. And I'm also joined by two of the tournament organisers, uh, Ed Brett and Luke Twist. Ed is on the Dizzy Dolphins, captained by Mike Yorridge, while Luke is on the People's Champs with myself. Good evening, chaps. How are we doing? Hey. Hey, hey! Yeah, excited. We we can answer now. I almost answered when you asked when you asked if we missed you. <laughs> yeah. I missed you. Definitely. Yeah, I missed you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Very excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to get some new new guests on. I know Ed's been dying to come on for a long time. Is this Ed's first episode? I, yeah, yeah. I, I could talk for hours, so uh, that's pretty <laughs> best. <laughs> <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller, right? <laughs> awesome. Glad to hear in good spirits. Um, we're going to jump right in. Um, got a few things to discuss about the draft that took place last Tuesday. Um, starting at the very beginning, the first overall pick. Ooh. Now, I imagine we got a few thoughts on this, but I'd like to go to Alex first, because I imagine Alex would quite like to defend himself on this. Oh goody! Um, I was I was hoping we wouldn't leave with that, but you know what? Fair enough. I think um, to, for the record, I didn't intend it to be a controversial pick, but here we are. Um, so, <laughs> so just just to clarify, first things first. Um, Dan Golding was always going to be a pick of mine. Um, he's a very not only a close friend, but he's also a player that I enjoy playing with and have a, had a really good relationship with. Um, but the honest truth, I won't go into my overall strategy because obviously I think we'll be discussing that later. Um, but uh, you say defending myself and I have to put my hand up and say um, I think it, Dan, even Dan has said to me that maybe he could have waited to be second or third pick rather than first <laughs> um, and I do agree with him and I have to just say it was um, just a case of me overthinking my picks to an extent um, this is I'm very aware of my inexperience as a captain and a, and a leader and I didn't give myself enough backing I reckon to think what would be the right call when I was doing my strategies I assumed I wasn't going to be 
getting strong top tier picks um, just because I didn't feel confident in myself. And I think that was just a mistake on my part. In the end, though, I'm really happy with the team I picked. Um, I think, you know, I, that uh, issue of going for what, what I like to say was a secure pick in the sense that I knew Dan and was happy to pick him rather than a secure pick in the sense of someone who we could consider would be a stronger player. I think, Luke, at one point you were, you were top of my list, but I just didn't think that I had I, well, I didn't think I had confidence in myself. I didn't have confidence in myself, unfortunately, when it came to. So I'll just put my hand up and say it was it was a case of me overthinking and maybe just not making the right call at the time. But at the end of the day, as I say, I've I've made that call. I've made my bed and I'm still happy with the team I've got and really excited to play with them and really excited to take part in the tournament. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I mean, there's always a bit of, a, bit of pressure with that first pick. Um, and there's there's all kinds of different directions you can go with it. Mm. But um, there's always that tendency, I find, with a tournament where you're like, oh, I really want to play with this player. And sometimes that will go over any other strategies or tactics you have in mind. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It's like when it's like when you go to a really good restaurant and the menu is too big, right? And then you like panic, you know. Like, like we've all we've all made mistakes when you have too much choice. And honestly, like it, you had reasons. I mean, like I know that like well, it, for me, for for Ed, maybe like it's more like well, what's the best player I can get? What complements my abilities? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's not quite what you went for, and that's kind of fine, I guess. Like you know, we disagree with that kind of strategy, and you know, we all we all make mistakes. Um, oh. I mean, in the sense, in the sense that Dan does compliment my my playing style, but it's also just you know, as I say, maybe it's not confidence in myself to to think that actually I can you know compete with with or play with good players. And yeah, as yeah. I say, I think it was it was just self confidence thing. But I think your menu your menu metaphor was <laughs> sums it up really well there actually. Um, but yeah, it's I think I think I, as I say, I kind of I thought well, I I know Dan really compliments my style, but actually I should have been thinking more proactively uh, well more progressively i think almost in a way it was it also didn't help being being the first pick i think maybe a bit of stage right but <laughs> overthinking things can rationalize the most irrational of of thought processes so yeah, of course. yeah. <laughs> I, but, I think you need to to put it in perspective like it, it's not the end of the world nobody's died it's a, no, it's it's a quidditch it. tournament and you can have fun playing with dan i think that's the mm. main thing yeah exactly i mean you know um as I said, we'll, I'll get on to the rest of my strategy, but it was, you know, I'm still very happy with the rest of the team. Well, I'm still happy to have Dan. I'm still happy to have the team I picked. I think I got some really good players in the end. Um, yeah, maybe looking back on it, I think if, I, if I'd started with Luke or maybe Jordan were my, were my top two picks. So, but, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking to all sorts of people trying to predict that first pick and um you i think you could tell on my voice when i was doing the uh the, the live stream i was i was quite shocked it, it, it was just such a deep draft uh, mm. with, with so many international players that for for a non-international player to go i think that was the big surprise it could be anybody to be honest mm. there was no consensus number one pick so that uh, when, when luke talks about sport for choice that we i think all the captains were really for the rounds yeah, many no. many rounds yeah no definitely and um I think just from like not that pick, but also a few other picks as well. There was a little bit of like shock that kind of went around kind of people's reactions that first round. Um, 
and it kind of threw a few people off. I know when Rudy, you were making your first pick, you were a little bit surprised that you were able to pick uh, Meta Sundar of your first pick, right? Yeah, so I had a strategy going in, um, and it was of the assumption that um, Bill and Louis and Sepa would be gone. Um, but I did also want Meta as, as my first pick, so I, yeah, I, I stuck with it, um, and I'm happy, but I just wasn't expecting a few of the early round picks, uh, the early first round picks to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talk about the depth and, and quality and stuff, but what's always always abundant at any tournament is is male chasers. So for four to go off the top was, or for actually five to go off at the top um, was was quite surprised to me. I was like, really, I thought I thought it would be all beaters for maybe the first round and a half. You know, there, there are so many good ones. And, and having those top beaters makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought people would start with beaters as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know, especially because I was looking at the at the draft, at the captains, and only Mikey is, uh, you know, Mikey's one of the best beaters at the tournament, right? And is also captain. So I assumed that a lot of the other, the other captains that are chasers mainly would have gone for a really high level beater but like seeing like well aimer in particular picking malpass was i i thought was quite surprising rather than starting on a beater to like compliment himself but not that yeah. malpass is a bad pick just on that strategic point i i'd probably say I, I for a long time i thought malpass is probably the best uh player in the uk but for emma um, I would have thought you'd go for a beta. And I was also surprised that Mikey took a, a beta. I think it goes back to your point, Luke, about talking about players that can complement what you bring. And so if you're already in that position, especially for a beta, mm -hmm. we're probably going to see Mikey and Louis together. But if not, then Mikey's chosen a, a, a sub as his first mm -hmm. pick. Or, or maybe Mike would be the sub, but it doesn't seem like you're using the strategic strategic advantage of the position that you yourself play. Yeah, so obviously like we talked about the pressure of having that first overall pick, but I guess for the rest of us, if if you had that first overall pick, who would you go for? Uh, for me, it would have been a female beater. Uh, it looked like the, not the shallowest pool, but the biggest drop-off between the sort of maybe top three or four or five downwards so I'd, I'd like to have just got the best one I could have done as early as possible whether that's like Meta or Alice or uh, Karina or Paola you know that, that that was what I'd have looked at as, as a captain if I was in the draw Yeah I, I, I'm exactly the same like maybe it's almost too obvious of a, of a strategy right but I think yeah like backing myself as a you know somebody that can help run the, the chaser game just having a having a complimenting beta would just be definitely my first pick yeah, I think yeah. Meta was always going to be my my first pick, but if I if I didn't land on Meta, I probably would have gone for one of uh, Louis, Bill, or or Luke Twist. Yeah, definitely. Like when I was like planning things out before the draft order being like looked at, I was like, right, if I get first pick, I'm getting Meta. Like someone <laughs> I haven't played with yet, but I know is be super reliable, and I can kind of build the team around. Yeah. And then I got the tenth pick, and I was like, oh shit, well that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have to say, my plans. <laughs> Fraser, I did actually envy you having having tenth pick because, um, yeah, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, having having one pick as my starting pick won't. I prefer to have two personally, so that's kind of almost. <laughs> maybe we should have swapped places, but um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I think 
uh, Rudy, you were alluding to earlier, um, kind of difference between play, picking players you're familiar with and picking players that you know you you want to play with or you think are, are someone you haven't played with. I think it's the the uh, dilemma that we we had is when we're doing the draft, and I think yeah, different, yeah. different strokes of different folks. Yeah, I think for me, like one of the big elements when I'm selecting a fantasy team is mo- it's obviously looking at a team that's going to win, but also looking at oh, who haven't I played with or like what combinations have I not played with yet? Mm. Um, and like for me, when I was kind of preparing my draft board, because I'm super keen like that, um, I kind of in my head was like, right, who are the 10 best players in this draft? And I kind of made this little list because I knew that, well, there's nine of them I wasn't going to get if if everyone thought like me, that was mm. basically. Um, <laughs> so in my top 10 um two of the players that are in my top 10 were still available to me when it came to my 10th and 11th pick so yeah i count myself incredibly lucky obviously picking doug and luke um in that top 10 um so i got two in my in my mind at least two of the top 10 most valuable players in the tournament on my team Mm. yeah i think another sort of funny thing about the first round was the the um sort of uh, was emphasis two of the captains put on getting the best seekers available. Um, I mean, it's going to be close matches, and, and the pools were deep enough that that it was, it was an interesting strategy that I hadn't thought about. You know, and and they're both excellent chasers in their own rights as well in um, Ellen and Jordan. Um, so it was, it was quite interesting to see how some people thought about. It. Like I know I was talking to Seb, and he was like, "No, I just want the most dominant ball carrier I can get first. First off, and I'll build the team around them." Um, so yeah, it was, it was cool. We we really did see like a, mm. a lot of varying strategies. Um, fortunately, we tore through the the, the draft so quickly <laughs> we couldn't even talk about the first yeah, round. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like for for me, I felt there's quite a bit of depth in terms of the seekers. Um, there's 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 going to be a good seeker in every team, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, but obviously, there's different levels to it throughout. Um, but yeah, the point about Seb's quite interesting because obviously, as a non-playing captain. I think he wanted someone who can kind of dominate the pitch, dominate the game as if he were playing, if that makes sense. So be able to pick Sepper as like that second pick overall. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for him, I think. Yeah, I think out of the, the top five, that was the least surprising pick. To me. <laughs> and then and then I think we hit the picks I thought would, would go further um, from six upwards. Yeah, I think Seekers are, are normally underrated in these sorts of drafts, but usually when you look at the winning teams, it's the ones with the really good seekers. And so, so like maybe it was just actually really smart to pick the seekers early, but I, I kind of blanked on thinking about that as a strategy, to be honest, as well. Yeah, I think that was exactly the case at, at Jurassic. Um, the teams that had uh, Callum and uh, Trev, uh, Jordan, did really well. Um, they were usually behind, but then I think they, can't remember the, the rankings, but they probably came first and second or, or something like that. Um, and at fantasy tournaments, it's rare to, to get a blowout. We might see one this tournament, but usually the games are in swim. So having uh, an elite seeker is, is such a, a massive bonus. Yeah, especially we talked about the depth of talent across the tournament, like across all 10 teams, there are good players in every single team. So ideally, we're looking at a tournament, hopefully, with like a lot of parity. So having that one player can have that one moment of magic just to take the game out of reach. Yeah, it could be all, all important. Who knows? 
Um, we got any more thoughts like on our teams in particular? Um, any other drafting strategies or ideas from our captains or yeah, any thoughts on that end? Yeah, what were your what were your strategies? Did they would you say they went to plan, you guys? Um, for me, yeah, I had uh, a strategy kind of per position. So if I did, managed to get meta, I knew what positions I'd go for in rounds two, three, four, five, etc. Okay. Um, and I picked up pretty much the people that that I really wanted. Um, I was trying to get a strong beta set first and then build from there. Um, and I was looking for people who were uh, experienced, had uh, yeah, who who were were excellent players. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy with with my team. So- yeah, Rudy, do you think so? Do you think you're overrating the Norwegians, or do you think everybody else is underrating the Norwegians? <laughs> I think I think underrating. I think massively. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I've got I don't know, I've got four, um, four Ooh. from team, four from team Norway, um, and I think they're probably four of of the best. Uh, maybe I'm underrating team England. Maybe that's the maybe that's the problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe. You might, might just have to look at the EG score for that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I mean, like, looking at Rudy's team in particular, like, it was all, like, the cool European picks that I was like, oh, <laughs> they'd be fun to play with, and they'd be fun to play with, they'd be fun to play with. And, like, yeah, as I say, that's one of the aspects of fantasy, going, oh, I don't normally play with this person. Yeah, let's add them to the team. You so can people, tell, like, you could tell Fraser thought that in the draft as well, because he like two <laughs> Team England players off the bat sees Rudy's team and he's like, "Fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> so, like, Victor Josephine. Mm-hmm. Kind of se- several picks. I was like, "Damn, that was a good pick. That was a good pick." Oh. I, I think it's quite interesting actually, because if, if you look at the teams, half of the captains, it kind of seems like they've chosen players who they're like familiar with. Um, UK uh, players usually on the same team, and then the other half have gone to kind of clean up on the uh, European national squad players. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Very true. Mm-hmm. Alex, thoughts on your draft? Um, I mean, I was I was going to say um, one of the annoying things about, especially when it came to choosing beaters, because obviously as a uh, chaser, beat the beta scene isn't exactly something I'm the most familiar with. But uh, just seeing a lot of my Picks for my for beaters getting picked early on was a bit of a bit of made made it made you know made me have to think think think, think things through. But um, yeah, I think uh, just just building on getting a good core of players, but also a good core of um, players of, of the right gender balance as well. I think because obviously it was very much in my mind that it was going to be a three three. Um, that yeah, it would it would that would be quite an important part of of how uh, the tournament will play out. Um, and yeah, I think uh, it was it was annoying. I, I think Doug was was on, on my list, and then yeah, and a few other any other um, beaters as well. But uh, I kind of set up quite a healthy um, reserve of players in different positions. Um, one of the things I looked for as well was people who could play in like multiple different positions. So people who could play chaser keeper, but also beater or seeker as well. Kind of so because um, uh, I've been all too familiar sometimes with injuries that you do have to kind of make quick covers and people have to be more bit more adaptable. So I think that was that was kind of the squad I was going for as well is is players who are comfortable kind of adapting themselves and thinking things through because um yeah I think the other point of fancy tournaments is also it's playing with players you're not familiar with but also adapting yourself to to different game styles or trying to 
different things out. I think, and yeah, especially with the rule changes, that will be one way of, of looking at things. So I think, you know, I know I'm going to be playing like that, but also if I'm going to be leading a team, I want a team that's kind of comfortable doing that as well. Um, with mm. a mixture. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question for the, the the guys who did the draft. Um, obviously, we we sort of added some some extra rules that you don't normally see in these sort of um, fancy drafts. So we had the you're only picking ten of your fifteen. Mm. Um, you can only pick five of one gender. Did that that change anything for you guys? I mean, when it came to us looking at the teams afterwards and trying to sign those players, a lot of the teams are really well balanced across the board for position and obviously uh, gender. So that that was really nice to see. Mm. Yeah, that was a really important thing for me going into it because um, I sort of went, right, I know I have control over these 10 picks, but I don't have any control over the remaining picks. And as someone who likes to have control over the whole draft as much as possible and kind of plan that whole experience out, um, yeah, that was a, there's a little bit of like a bit of unknown. So I wanted to kind of take, kind of reduce that unknown quantity as much as possible. So obviously with the draft, you'd have five backs of any gender. So mm. I kind of split that into making sure I had five backs of one particular gender um, and then kind of five backs of sort of gender minority players on kind of the other side of that. Um, and then also kind of in the positions as well. So having, I think it was six like chaser slash keepers and then I think four players who play beta. Um, of which I kind of figured one of those, well, one of those chase or keepers would need to play seeker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was quite important to kind of strike that balance up and make sure that you were kind of going over on one position or one gender or whatever. Trying to work out that ratio is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, for me, uh, I, I think the gender point um, is. It should be quite straightforward, and I think in in any tournament you, you should be be taking that in mind. On the uh, on the third of the picks that you couldn't uh, draft, I think me personally, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, I think it I think it rewards um, captains that didn't really uh, do their homework, basically, um, <laughs> because I think at the end of the draft, that's when you that's when you're able to like get the steals find like the the talent that other people might not know about and uh yeah i i looked at i think everybody all of the however many people um and there were some really good picks that i, I probably would have would have taken um but yeah i think it's worked out pretty well for everybody i think the way that you did divvy out those last five for everybody uh mm-hmm. went really well i mean like at least well kind of the counter argument to that is that by kind of having those players that aren't drafted by the captains, it does balance the tournament out a little bit. So yeah, as you said, mm-hmm. like there might be a captain who has a very different strategy to another, um, but at least kind of you have this consensus. Uh, these are fair fair teams out of these like remaining picks. It can kind of balance out and kind of lift up the supposed weaker teams and sort of maybe I don't know reduce kind of the ability of the sort of supposed leading better team um so hopefully kind of in practice once we get to the tournament is going to lead to kind of closer games as a result yeah definitely yeah. I, I think a couple of those teams have been really saved by the the undrafted picks um so like i look at, at emma's team um and he didn't really go that hard on, on the beaters like he only picked three 
Um, but then he landed with William Brilliant, who I think is brilliant. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really bounced out the team. And then Seb picked up like three national team players. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, a bit of a tipping point for Seb. Yeah, I want to pre- preface it. It was, it was mostly random. Um, all we were looking at was sort of deficits in, in chasers or beaters, um, which actually wasn't that bad for, for almost every team. Um, yeah. And was... also... Oh, God. Oh, no, yeah. We were, we were trying to even out kind of like a gender split and, and positional split and kind of made sure we had like reasonable teams across the board from that sense. And yeah, like I said, apart from that, it was kind of random. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think player experience is at the the sort of forefront of our, our minds with it. In that, you know, we obviously we trust the captains, but sometimes something can go wrong, and you end up with a team that's that's heavily imbalanced. So we're just making sure that every team means every player has the opportunity. And also, Luke's, Luke Luke made a great point about sort of being drafted in the last round, or you know, yeah, the the last rounds of a draft just kind of suck, right? Like if you're if you're one of the last picks, it feels really bad, and Generally, the draft kind of slows down the further it goes because mm. kind of all of your all of your options have been taken. And then I don't know the, the the worst thing or the most cringe thing from previous drafts that I found is when captains are like, "Oh, but can I just like can I just not have anybody? Can I just end my draft here?" And it's like, how bad does that feel for people? And like I don't know. So I think there's I think there's something to be said of like not drafting the last couple rounds. Mm. And I think there's like a better way to do it. But I'm not saying that this is necessarily perfect. But it's certainly like solves some issues um and mm. i think the balance of a team is way more important with the three three um gender rule as well yeah. like it's, it's more important to have a more even team so yeah, yeah i think it's slightly different, different. The, the draft was quite quick and speedy i think because of it as well like we we did the whole thing in less than an hour which is like i thought was really cool like probably a really good watch for people like just just rather than like a, a marathon over a couple hours you know yeah might be done those winning picks. We're looking at least another half an hour minimum, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I reckon that was another forty minutes, and I was grateful that we didn't have to, to carry on too much. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it did make for a better sort of entertainment uh, thing. I don't know what to call it because um, and the concurrent views we had showed it like no one dropped off really. So yeah, people stuck around, which was nice. Ed, they just wanted to know what you were eating for breakfast. <laughs> all the important questions you're just such a good host dad we're <laughs> kind of looking at some of the players in the drafts are there any particular picks that you think were reaches or went a bit too early or any p- players sort of i guess towards the end of the draft who were steals or what we're thinking uh i definitely saw some steals i think i think maybe my steal of the the entire draft might be sam mills going in in the 10th round yeah um, for me, one of the maybe top top uh, few, uh, n- or, or, uh, non-binary beaters there um, might be playing for Team Canada at World Cup, uh, and to get in the tenth round is 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 a real real still. Yeah, I totally agree. I was I was going to shout out Sam Mills. Like I think that was just it. W- it was wild to me that they went they went that low. Um, similarly, I think maybe Canadians are just underrated. I think Chris Chris Radievsky going in round five is is quite a steal as well in my opinion like I think I don't know I think Chris brings a lot to a team not just like through skill but but his experience his kind of like he can kind of help pull a team together he kind of like runs cooldowns and is very sense I, I don't know I think he could bring a lot to a team and I think fifth round is quite late 
Yeah, yeah. I think for me, being able to get uh, Miguel Vasquez in like the eighth round was incredible value. Um, mm-hmm. This is someone that I played with before. Um, so I've got that kind of already that reliable connection, but also someone who's played on the international stage for a number of years, um, play as keeper, as a chaser. Um, just got that experience. Plus also in the team, being able to draft Manu as well. Um, the three of us all played together with Spain, had that great connection already. So yeah, I was really excited to pick up Miguel that late on. Oh, sweet. I didn't realise that. <laughs> yeah, a bit of pre-existing chemistry. I, I yeah. think for me, like, there's a lot of um, kind of like non, non-UK players that I just don't know how to rate. And I think like after the tournament, I think there'll be a lot of like, oh, they, they, were, t- they were taken too early on. They were taken way too late, you know? Um, mm. I just find it so hard, to, so hard to judge right now. Like, I, I don't get to watch them quite enough to like properly know where to rank them necessarily. Um, yeah, true. I think that's always the fascination with like fancy drafts because like at the end of the day we don't have all the stats and figures like professional sport does. Like it's a mm. lot of it is opinions and kind of what you have seen, what you haven't seen, and also I guess the general consensus of what the community n- knows. Kind of who are like by consensus the best players. Um, but then there'll be people who I don't know may have played in somewhere in Europe who aren't known to maybe the majority of the captains and then they come up and they're just amazing. I remember at Jurassic Cup just after we came back from COVID. Emma in particular was a player that amazed me. I'd never really, I don't think I'd ever seen Emma play before and he was fantastic for, for Kerry's team. So mm-hmm. when like Kerry pick, picked mm-hmm. him quite early on, I was I was quite surprised. I thought that was a bit of a reach and then he balled out and I was like, okay, that was a really, really good value pick. I think some some of the uh, the Team England players went quite late as well, um, and maybe they're maybe because they're not on the like maybe the the twenty five going to Richmond, but they're they're on the squad and they are mm-hmm. as good on their day as, as some of them. I'm thinking like Dan Bennell went really late. I think that might be the yeah. best late male chaser pick, and that's Isla again. Yeah. She, uh, she got she got two steals in those late rounds. Um, and I think the other one I highlight was Ben Morton. We talked about seekers earlier. You know some. Some of the captains drafting elite seekers in in the first round to get possibly either the second best seeker or at least top three seeker in the draft in the seventh round is is unbelievable. So I think Hull's Hull's done done himself good there. True, true. Um, and just kind of looking at our own teams now, like of all the players that you're going to be playing with in this tournament, like which player are you most excited to play with? Luke, you can say me if you want to. <laughs> oh, well, Fraser. Um, no, I. So I genuinely, I'm most excited to play with Victor again. Um, so I played Victor Marx at a Valentine's Cup a long time ago now. Um, at the time, he was still like quite new, you know, like a couple of years experience or whatever. I think he like just made the Belgian national team at the time, or you, you know, like like was was kind of good. Was clearly going to be good or whatever. But it felt like yeah, very much like I was like way more experienced at the time and. I don't know, it was just cool to like have these young Belgians on the team that were like really keen and kind of to get to play on his team again will just be really, really good fun actually and just I don't know, see what we've both learned, how we've both changed and it'll just, it'll just be really good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Victor was a pick I was really excited to get as sort of as both a seeker and like a quaffle player. Just offers so much and as you're saying about the development there, like like Victor was kind of playing on that level with the Antwerp folk. 
back in 2018, 2019, but then has gone over to NTNUI now and has been like a real key player for that team um mm -hmm. so yeah i'm really excited to, to play with them amongst everyone else yeah i think obviously meta um i played against her at two uh, different eqcs and, and she's just electric um i think i'm just happy to not be playing against tom roloff <laughs> I think that's the main thing um and then yeah definitely definitely stina um, watching some of her footage at uh, World Cup is is just crazy. For me, I think it'd be Sam Senior because um, just in the sense of a player that I played um, against a, a few times and just always known as an absolute battler. Um, and yeah, um, excited to to not be on the receiving end of that for once. <laughs> It'll be nice, but um, yeah, just again, um, great player who uh, I I enjoy seeing play, but. When I'll be playing with, it's great. And Dan as well. But you've already discussed that. Yeah. <laughs> True. Plus, like having senior in your team, like, is always just one of those like feel good people to be around. Um, so I know you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. No, no one will be surprised here that, that mine will be Louis. <laughs> Shock. Um, Horror. I've, I've played against him before, yeah, but it. yeah, it's, it's just such a such a cool opportunity to play with one of the best players in the world, uh, which. You know, is is nice, and I'm used to playing with really good world class players. But um, yeah, Louis is just uh, you I'm, know that I'm, top top level. Um, I'm looking forward to you when you miss shots, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to prepare myself because that will happen. I, and also, <laughs> actually, kind of like uh, a Loki one is is Matt Matt Pyle. Um, I did some coaching at the last Southern fixture, um, and I, I did it for for Warwick, and, and Matt was on that team, and. So it'd just be really nice to actually get to play with them rather than, you know, just shouting from the sideline. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully then what I'm trying to tell him from the side of the pitch makes a bit more sense if I can show it. Yeah, I think I'm like a low-key one for myself would be uh, Eva Taponya, who's um, one of the German national team chasers. I think she scored the winning goal against England day one at EG. Yeah. Which is a great finish. It's um, McCartney. Is yeah, that, just that I did not. <laughs> I, I really don't know a lot of the a lot of the names. <laughs> yeah, um, like she's sort of been quite one of the sort of better players with Rare Phoenix um, over the years. So uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to play with her. I think. Um, on the other side of this, um, I've just written the one that got away, the famous Katy Perry song. Um, so what is like the player on another team that you would have liked to have played with um, that you obviously won't be playing with at this tournament yeah I'll go because uh, Rudy's already mentioned him but it, it'd be Tom Roloff um, played against him twice at EG and oh my god is he hard to play against and he just looks like a fun player to have on your team um, so yeah that'd be my answer yeah I definitely agree with that and that, no, Tom's a great guy as well like sort of really happy really positive um, I think we, we, we traded shirts at EG. Um, so I got a lot of respect for the guy. So when Rudy drafted him, I was like, damn it, like, that was one of the picks. <laughs> yeah, actually, quite a lot of Rudy's team I like, um, mainly because they're, you know, international Europeans that, that are all very good and, and very fun and, you know, hard to play against. Uh, I really like Rudy's team competition, actually. I think my main strategy, well, my entire strategy was uh, 
<laughs> no, 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 was trying to get international players that I thought a lot of the captains wouldn't know about. Um, and yeah, one of them who I had my own was uh, Joy Hagenman's, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, yeah, I think I think she'll be uh, really good. Hasn't played that long, but you can see that um, she's got really good skills. Um, and then also Manu, who you took in the the tenth round. I, I think um, it would have been really good to have him on the team as well. Yeah, Joy Joy's a great person to talk about. I think she's on the at least was at some point on the national handball team for Belgium before then switching to quad ball and then obviously being on the national team for, for quad ball within yeah. a year of playing. So it's always got a really solid sort of technical background um, and only being what a year or so into the sport has got so much room for development. So yeah, it's a great pickup from for law. I think there's, there's, there's a few people, players I like, I think um, I did, I had been discussing my team with uh, Lena Manderhouse actually and had said that I'd try and look at her because uh, we're quite good friends. But I think that's slightly different from actually players that are, oh, you know, I wish I'd had to to play with. And I think, um, yeah, there's there's quite a few um, players in the European team that I think, yeah, really um, you got there for so fair play. Um, but I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm excited to play with, well, I'd be excited to play with anybody. Um, but, you know, I'm really happy with the team. I've got, and I, you know, it would be hard pressed to say, well, who would you replace instead of this person? I'm like, mm. you know what? I think, yeah, I'm, I don't, don't think that there's anybody I really say, oh, I, I wish, I, I wish you weren't around, or you weren't part of my team, um, instead of this person. And yeah, I mean, maybe I just have to play more fantasy tournaments and play with people that I didn't get to draft. Yeah, it's true. No, I mean, that, that's always the challenge with these tournaments. Mm. You look through like the player pool and go, oh, that player's amazing, and that player's amazing. And that plays, oh, I wish they're all on my team. Yeah. Inevitably, another of the captains will divide them up and take them off you. Mm. And there's like, it's never going to go perfect. You're never really going to get your absolute perfect team that you want. But hopefully, if you've like done a good strategy and you've done your homework, you can end up with a team that is as close to that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. There, there seems to be a lot of happy people. Uh, most people I talk to like their team or, you know, you know, there are players in their team they want to play with or they think they can win. So it's like we talked about the depth of the draft and, and so every team's got, I think, a player that you'd you'd absolutely adore to play with um, either way. So, yeah, I think it's quite a successful draft, actually. Yeah, true. I think for me, in terms of, yeah, one got away, I'd probably say Stina. Um, just in terms of, obviously, this being the first free max tournament in the UK, um, it's clearly shown herself like playing at EG in the EQC is one of those players who's really confident on the ball. Um has got great kind of field awareness, great shot on her. If there was Fortunately, a star about EG, it was it was Stina. So. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, if, if there's like an MVP kind of voting system in place, I think she'd be like right up there, if not number one spot. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely want to go away. Yeah. Luke, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I was actually gonna say Stina as well. Um just somebody that I, I mean, in my opinion, kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't really know them before before EG particularly. Um, and they just, yeah, put in a great performance and kind of, like, played in a way that you just don't see many people playing, right? They had an incredible fake. They did a lot of ball carrying, which was which was great to see. And um, honestly, yeah, like, I think I think would have been a really exciting person to play with. Um, 
And and they almost got back round to you, Fraser. They were like yeah. so <laughs> so close. I know, I know. Well, I remember like R- Rudy when you drafted her, were like just surprised that she's still available at that point. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Stein had sent me a message, but I didn't see it until um, like the end of the draft. She was like, "Pick Stein! I can't believe she's still in." Um, <laughs> And then he sent me another message and said, oh, yeah, I, I can see what you're doing with the draft. Well done. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. So there was a point in the like YouTube chat where Stein was like, can somebody tell Rudy to read my Facebook message? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's always that element when you get like picked quite early in a, in a draft and then you just go and straight message your captain on Facebook. Like, get this player, get this player. Fraser started messaging me at one point. I'm like, who do you think's updating the spreadsheet, Fraser? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) trying my hardest to keep up with the draft and Fraser's questions. Yeah, your opinion matters to me, you know. I'm also Uh, quite um, keen to see some of the older guard uh, come back. So, like, people like Ash Cooper and Ben Honey. Um, I know Tom Norton played this summer, but. yeah, there are a lot of people who I haven't seen in a while, so it'd be it'd be quite good to see those people as well. I thought about I thought about mentioning them when we talked about reaches, because I mean they're as unknown as, as some of the, the Europeans with their where they're at and haven't played not for a long time, new rules, whatnot. So yeah, I think I think that's a great show. Really. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And you're kind of seeing sort of athletically rules knowledge experience, whether whether that carries through and just just to see how much the game has developed with some people having a bit of time away. Um, so now kind of looking at, I guess, the players who weren't drafted, sort of the, we talked about earlier, the sort of the five or four sort of undrafted picks on each team. Which of the undrafted players are great value for their teams? I think I think it's only fair we let Rudy do it with all, all of his homework. <laughs> done. Yeah, you can test me. I've done a lot of homework. Um, well, I, I think... Um, Patrick Gray and Harrison for Alex Roberts is going to be they're going to be huge Um, and Lisa Schultz as well Mm. Um, I've already mentioned Seb he really looked out Fian's uh, team Belgium Julie's team Norway Christian's team Mexico Um, and yeah I think um, it's an interesting one for Mikey because he went with Lou in the first round and then he's also picked up Ollie, who will probably be over his injury by then, who's a, a fantastic pick. But there's quite a lot of um, game time that's going to have to be divvied out. So I think Ollie is a is an absolute steal to go undrafted. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it balances out against against the whole team. I think I think Mike is happy with Ollie because it means he can chase. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what Mike's going to do with that team. Whether he tries like a male beater set. And then has like one male player in like in the Quaffle game, and then like mm. three like GNC like female players. Yeah, it's going to be quite a different look, I think, from some of the other teams potentially. Yeah, well, I think they could do it. Like uh, Mikey Louis Beterset would be absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And you got <laughs> Hannah Hermans and Tua as well in the Quaffle game. So yeah, they could easily do it. Yeah, I think for me, kind of the 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 undrafted player, I'm really surprised didn't get drafted um, was Matthias Renner. Um, like these days, mostly players of the beta 
Um, it's like a really sort of intelligent beta, sort of can read the game really well. Um, was quite a challenge for myself when I played against him at EG. Um, but I actually started out as a chaser beforehand, um, and I know he's playing in the Quaffle game uh, this tournament. Um, so just like a super, yeah, sort of super valuable player to add to your team. So Alex, you got you got a good one there. Yeah, I mean. I, I was quite happy when I saw that the, some of the random picks. I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" Um, but I think I think overall, there's 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 just a lot of talent across the board. Um, in, in well, in those that were that were the ten picks that we all went for, or the, the five that we didn't. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's just going to be a great tournament. Not to get too overexcited. <laughs> I want to give I a, I want to give a shout out to Will Will Brilliant. Um, in the undrafted players as well. Um, I think they, they're still quite new to the sport, but I just think they have a ton of potential uh, and just like loads of energy on pitch. And I think they could do a, do a real shift on Amos' team. Yeah, I think, I think out of all of them, the, the one that might have the biggest impact on their team might, might be Will, just because Emma, as we uh, I think really pointed out earlier, didn't really pick beaters as a priority. So. Yeah, it's true. My, having played against Will, it was, it was Thunderground last year. When I was playing as a beater, um, yeah, it's just so hard to read. Like with certain beaters, like they have really obvious tendencies, but I just I found the whole time I was playing against him, I couldn't really work him out. Um, and yeah, as someone who's obviously really smart and intelligent, the way he plays, so yeah, one to watch out for. Um, so yeah, just kind of looking at kind of the teams overall, kind of other than your own team. Because we're all great, fantastic teams that are definitely going to win. Um, who who do you think is kind of the best team? Kind of the one we're sort of most, I guess, not scared, but like who who we sort of thinking is like a difficult team to play against. I mean, I, I think we've all agreed. Rudy's got some fantastic kind of European picks there. He's, he's done his homework, but um, I did I did notice. I think uh, with Isla's team that there are a lot of. She made a lot of um, early Peter picks that I went, oh, damn it. I wish I got that first. Um, got that first. So uh, I think um, she'll have a really strong team as well uh, in, in that department, especially, but across the board again. Um, I think, yeah, quite a strong team. Uh, yeah, I, I think there are a couple of teams when you look at sort of their, their sort of the, the first line they'll play, uh, like Seb's team, Emma, you can see exactly what they're going to do and you can see it being really effective. It's just how the players after that fill in, I think, for them. Uh, yeah, Rudy's team's awesome. I think it's definitely the most fun team there, although maybe the Norway guys are a bit bored of playing with each other. Who knows? Um, and yeah, I think uh, Hull's team's good just because obviously Hull's the captain and having Bill and Paula as a, as a tandem and then Tasha and Michelle and Matt Think it's it's a very te- it's it was basically a team UK lineup, um, uh, but yeah, uh, they're, they're team England for a reason. And then they've got more team England in the background, so yeah, yeah. But those are probably the three that, that stood out to me. Yeah, I I quite also like Sam Spencer's team. I think yeah, they've got some some good depth in a lot of the positions, um, and yeah, no real weaknesses. Yeah, I think for me, like when I kind of reviewed it post-draft, I was like, that's the team for me that is like the most solid throughout. Like you look at every single player and you're like, yeah, reliable, reliable, reliable. Like there's no real drop-off in any of the positions. 
Um, like having like Alice as your first pick, yeah, super solid. Um, and like to play with basically anyone can adapt really well. Um, and then like having someone like uh, like James Van Garden, like I think was the fifth pick or something. Like we're talking about like value picks, that's a great steal. Um, and yeah, again, go back to Jurassic Cup. I actually found that looking through Sam's team, I think four of those players played on that winning team at Jurassic Cup um in 2021 so well we got experience of winning a fancy tournament together so yeah i'm fairly confident they're gonna be one of the tougher teams to play against yeah i think Benan's crazy good um and geo made a comment in the in the youtube stream that vong went too early um, i know he was joking <laughs> but i i think uh some of the captains and, and some of the uk players might not know him or, or remember him when he was briefly here um, and yeah, I think he's going to do some real damage. Yeah, I remember when Vong played for, for you guys on Unspeakables, that BTC in 2018. And I, I, I sort of clocked quite early that this this guy was coming from America and was like pretty good. So uh, we kind of passed it along to leadership. And I remember it was the final game of the group stage. Anjit didn't play that game. And he just went to watch you guys play. And he just went there to watch Vong, just to watch how he played. Um, he, was, he was filming it. And then later that night, we watched the footage, like kind of, because we knew we were going to play you in the quarterfinals. So like, a lot of our prep going to that game was like, how does this guy play? And kind of, because we didn't, we just didn't know who he was. So kind of doing what we could to prepare for that matchup. So yeah, definitely a threat, I'd say. Yeah, he's here now. Um, and I think, yeah, so he's been to Wales and, and Phoenix trainings. But I think even the werewolves and Phoenix that have seen him in training, he's just a, a totally different beast when he's when he's in game. Like he he just takes it to to another level. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see Michael play. Actually, um, I totally get what you're saying. They're really like, yeah, in training, you know, it's it's totally different, totally different vibe. And then I don't know, see him unleashed. It should be fun. Hmm. Yeah, because he's got like that personality about him where like you can tell he's having fun and like he doesn't he doesn't come across that he's taking it seriously, but he's still like playing at a pretty high standard. Um, so it's quite hard mentally to kind of play against that when like e- even if you are successful against it, like he doesn't seem like it's affecting him. And then when he comes up in his rotation, he's going to have Burkett and, and Gretton and, and that energy that that they're both also very high level players. I think it's just going to be quite a, a tough team to to play against. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, just just to kind of wrap up the episode. Um, we got any sort of more thoughts on the tournament itself? Obviously, like playing with free max for the first time, two arm tackling, limited contact from behind, all all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like what are our thoughts and feelings around around that? Uh, I mean, yeah, what. Well- Oh, go, sorry, sorry. Sorry, if you go first. I was going to say, uh, like, uh, some of us have been sort of doing the, the two arms and the and the, the back contact thing um, at international uh, trainings and stuff. And uh, to be honest, it's really fun. I think I think the key might be with certainly the back contact is is how it's refed. Um, I think the few times I've done it, it's been refed slightly differently each time or things are very easily missed in that sort of slight back contact. So... That'll be interesting, but the, the actually two on tackling, I think, is really fun. It's it's mm. really fun. It does it changes the game uh, a little bit, not not too much that it's an issue. 
Um, and I think actually for players who haven't played it before, you might see quite a few of them get caught out in, in the early games by the sort of less time that you have um, with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully players adapt by, by day two. So you're like quite a fun evolution as, as the tournament progresses. And maybe teams who already have players who have, have done it before will, will maybe be able to capitalise on that early as well. I'm, I was basically going to say exactly the same thing. Um, I think, yeah, two-arm two cycling will be, could, could be quite an interesting law to, to use, but also, you know, the, the max three gender as well, I think, um, you know, it'll just be good to see, see being played at a tournament and prove, you know, it's well, well past time. Oh yeah, I, I I think it'll be really interesting to see how three max works out. Obviously, there's been a lot of a lot of calls for it and stuff. Um, and you know, there's been there's been some some uncertainty, and nobody wanted to rush it through as a proper rule quite yet. But I think it'll be really cool to see a tournament with it and and see, you know, see how everybody feels after it. I think that'll be like really exciting to actually do it and see what happens. Um, like, it's exciting to bring that bring that to the UK, you know, like. Yeah, definitely. So and I think there's, it's going to be interesting in terms of the actual gameplay of using Freemax, um, whether we see a bit more kind of team play as a result of kind of the different sort of gender gender splits between the teams. But also, obviously, with two-arm tackling, it's going to be harder for some people to break through that one-on-one or in some cases, easier for some people to break for that one-on-one. Um, so let's sort of see how that affects the dynamics and the tactics of each team is going to be, yeah, fascinating insight, I think. Yeah, that's my question. That's something I'm really interested about, whether it's going to bridge the gap between the uh, less physical players and, and the previously more physical players, or whether it's just going to make some players just OP and just mm. they'll, they'll be unplayable. Um, but I, I think, that, so that's with the two arms, but I think the bigger thing is the contact from behind. I, I think it totally changes how the um, the beaterless, um, the, the bludgeless beater uh, plays. I think it's going to give them real power and uh, I think teams are going to really have to switch up how they, how they play uh, beating. Yeah, I think that rule itself is going to throw a lot of people off, at least what I've seen from it so far. It's really messy from both like a referee and like a player perspective. Whereas like a player, you feel like you fully stopped your momentum behind the player and you go for it, but you haven't in the referee's eyes. It's being given against you. But equally, there's plenty of times where a player will go for it and like they'll get away with it as well because the referee hasn't quite seen it and sort of allowed play to go on. So there's going to be, I imagine, a little bit of frustration there where some people think, oh, they just rammed into the back of me from behind and got away with it. Or equally, as a player going, oh, I definitely stopped, definitely stopped, when the referee doesn't think you have. So there's going to be a bit yeah. of teething issues, I reckon. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue with that rule. As, as, if, as if the rest needed more to look out for and, and smaller <laughs> things. <to laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and I think, but yeah, I think if people can get past that, it, it does change the game up a little bit as well. I, I, I'm hoping as well, um, outside of the new rules, the captains just have fun with how good their teams are. Um, sometimes you see like a team just play it really boring or, or whatnot but I think we all want to go see good Quidditch see everybody touching the ball mm. um, so I hope people are you know brave and expansive with, with the stars they play mm-hmm. so that's a challenge to, to the captains really I'll make yeah. a note of it 
<laughs> yeah, I think we're definitely are going to see more people playing the ball, uh, and I think three months is a, is a big reason for that. I think in, with a, a lot of the, the the top clubs, or I think a lot of clubs in general, they have a, a role for women, which is kind of just having them stand by the small hoop and wait for the ball to come for them. But with three max, I think if you're not using all your players, if, you, if you're not uh, giving other players opportunities to, to drive and pass and, and distribute, then you're going to be in real trouble. And I think in the lead up to BQC as well, I think after this tournament, players are, are going to see how well they can play, see the different opportunities they have and, and they'll be asking the coaches and captains, why, why can't we play three max? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I hope there's like there's that sort of a result from it, you know. I hope that like the non-males that are, that are playing that get more opportunities just just thrive and, and love it. And I don't know, I, I I'm expecting good things. I think it's gonna be a really good thing to see. We got a fun structure coming out soon as well, um, where everybody have a chance on day two. So um, yeah, no, it should it should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So just on just on rules actually. So obviously there's new rules at the tournament, but there's actually going to be old rules as well. So we're we're not using the QUK um, amendments. We're using like the IQA rulebook um, because obviously it's um, it's a Team England kind of led tournament. So you know we're hosting a, a the international tournament. Yeah, exactly. We're hosting the rules that we that we play at the, the competitions, right? So. Um, so yeah, we're not using the the QUK amendments, which I think will be interesting. I think it'll be cool to see what the UK think going back. You know, like QUK obviously like switch to the to the hoop placement um, and like tapping in the middle hoop, and then haven't really given people a chance to like try the other style again, apart from the teams that attend EQC. So it'll be cool to see what people think after after it. At Thunderground last year, um, which I should mention was also three max, so that might be the first three max tournament. But um, the rule amendments um, for QUK, we edited them as well. Um, but we also had some fun. So we, we brought oh, in yeah. <laughs> um, like beta swatting and um, we had some quite strange rules with the, the seeker um, the seeker timings. So I think you can really have a lot of fun with, uh, with your rules when, when you change them. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that the T-Pose come in at uh, international tournaments. That would... <laughs> Make it very spicy. <laughs> I mean, well, the one we I mean, had with that was no, oh, that was just some incredible drama. But basically, if you, if you, if you explain it, Rudy, for the others, um, it was just it was just for scheduling. Really, we just wanted the tournament to run to time. So I think we had one normal hand, two normal handicaps, and then the last handicap was that the snitch just had to stand motionless, um, and both teams knew ahead of time, so you had to set a, a really tight bubble but the snitch at that point wouldn't move so it was kind of a first person to get their situation that's cool actually mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I add a bit of jeopardy to an end of game situation <laughs> yeah i mean yeah ending the ending games and, and running tournaments on time is a problem i mean that is technically a solution so yeah cool there's a um yeah we've had a good solid hour with a good chat about this upcoming tournament i'm certainly very excited hope you guys are too um so i guess we'll wrap it up there shall we um yeah, big thanks to all of you guys for the last hour or so it's been fun yeah, thank, thank you very much, much. Yeah.
it's, it's always just stealing exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Keep taking the words out of my mouth. <laughs> thanks, Fraser. Yeah. Cheers. You're welcome, really excited for the tournament. And yeah, thanks again for the opportunity to, well, just to try out being a captain and to be on the podcast. Yeah, always looking for new guests and uh, new types of episodes. And here we all are making it happen. Well, a good start to 2023. Uh, we hope you listeners have enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we have making it. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with future episodes of the podcast, please give the Total Quadball Facebook page a like. Name change. Be, be wary of that. Um, we'll be announcing upcoming guests on there. And of course, giving you a chance to send in any mailbag questions uh, for the episodes where we have a mailbag. Uh, until next time, keep yourselves safe and live the game. Goodbye.